You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It is Monday the 8th of November. Tom Stanley in for Nick. He is on his way back from Del Mar from the Breeders' Cup. Be back with you again tomorrow. We on this show today will be in the main looking back at a fantastic 38th running of the Breeders' Cup World Championships. And that really was the feel to the event this year, the World Championships with the first ever winners from Japan, two as well, and some excellent European success in the form of the usual suspects in North America at the moment, Um, certainly Charlie Appleby and William Buick as well. It was high octane, it was high on drama, and to review it all with me is Rishi Passad. He was out there for TVG, and I'm sure enjoying his time out there a a huge amount. First of all, Rishi, uh, welcome along. Thanks for joining me. Still out there in Del Mar, I know. Um, Rishi, what's your takeaway from two days at the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar? Well, so much, so much to take away, Tom. Uh, primarily from a European perspective, the success of William Buick, Charlie Appleby, Godolphin, and Dubai as well. Um, but also the drama that was involved from day one through to day two, day one in particular with modern games. That might be one of the most dramatic things I've seen on a race course. I've seen some strange things in my time. One of the strangest things I've ever seen was when the Dubai Gold Cup was run for a second time on the same night, way back when. Um, but to see a horse taken out in a race like that, scratched and then reinstated, run for prize money, but not for wagering purposes, I'd never seen anything like that. I did ask around whether other, uh, any of my colleagues had seen it. And some of them have pointed out that in New York, Tom, the horses that are coupled, if there's one and 1A, sometimes if one horse is taken out, uh, the other horse in the coupling uh, runs for prize money, but not for wagering. So in in some areas it's happened, but for me, that was a, <laughs> a quite a remarkable thing. Um, and it added to the amazing drama of the two days. And also, I wonder what William Buick was thinking when he crossed the line, because he wasn't entirely aware what was going on in terms of the scratching and the running and the scratching, etc., uh, and the wagering and the uh, prize money. And then he would have heard those boos after winning a Breeders' Cup race, uh, it must have been an extraordinary experience for him. It was certainly just listening on course. Well, it really was a fantastic couple of days for William Buick and for Charlie Appleby. And delighted to say that Charlie joins me now to reflect on a sensational couple of days. And, and first of all, Charlie, if you could just take me back to that initial moment way back for the juvenile turf. Um, how much were you aware of what was going on? What was going through your mind? You know, obviously, the first race of the meeting for ourselves was uh, the juvenile with uh, Albar and um, the modern games there. And when Albar went under the, the gates, I knew that would be, you know, obviously, an automatic scratch. That so was fine. Um, as long as the horse and jockey walked away from it and we could see that the jockey was up and the horse had got out from underneath the back of the gate there. So um, hopefully there wasn't, uh, wasn't too much of a serious injury going on, which there wasn't. He's just got uh, superficial wounds on, on his hocks there and uh, he's been treated by our vets there and uh, he's uh, let out the last couple of mornings there and he's fine. He'll travel back uh, 
on uh, on Monday morning and uh, he'll um, carry on his treatment once he gets back. But um, I say that was the most important thing that horse and jockey got up uh, or, or walked away from it, should I say? Um, and then that left us with modern games there, who obviously broke out the. Well, he didn't break out the front of the gates. He was he was let out the front of the gates, but um, there was confusion there. I think uh, of how he uh, how he managed to come out the front. So that all that obviously uh, caused some some drama as well. And, and were uh, you were you aware yeah. of of the fact that he had been scratched? I mean, Will said obviously he he, he wasn't really because he he wasn't he wasn't necessarily informed. He was just just waiting with the horse behind the stalls. Did you know exactly what was going on or not? Well, basically, I I I, I saw that he'd been let out the front of the gates because we could quite visually see from where we were stood. But um, within a matter of sort of, it felt like probably minutes, but it wasn't, it was probably seconds, I saw he went out to the betting on the screen, uh, which obviously is an indication that he was he was, he was scratched. Uh, and then obviously, they say a, a few seconds later, then he came up on the board as, as being scratched. So um, at that point, I say to no fault of anybody I mean we, we were unaware of, of what was going on really um, obviously in, in, the, in the aftermath we, we've you know, sort of built a bit of a picture of how it how the development developments happened um, but, for, for, uh, a, for a brief moment Charlie did was it sort of world comes tumbling down two horses you think are suddenly out of the race did, did you actually think that was a possibility yeah well, obviously I mean uh, you know, as far as I was you know, aware that you know, once they were both scratched that was that was the end of it so I'll be honest with you, I sort of turned on my heels and just felt, well, there's nothing I can do now. They're, they're both scratched and, and, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll hear uh, of their reasons why, but uh, I sort of turned on my heels to, to walk away to you know, take myself out of the, the limelight um, and uh, kind of sort of, yeah, compose myself and we're on our way, to be honest with you, out towards the, out of the track. And uh, we, we, my wife and I sort of said, well, we might as well stay here and just and see the race out anyway. Um I was, I'd been on the phone to uh, to our, our travelling team there, who, who, who made me aware of uh, Albaha um, being, you know, fine, and was on his way back to the barn uh, just to need some uh, some veterinary treatment for, I say, minor wounds. Um, and uh, I thought, well, we'll stay and watch the race at, at least. And uh, found a quiet corner there, to, no one could see us, and we stood there. And then before we knew it, the next thing came on the announcement that we were, uh, were that Modern Games was uh, back in the race. So uh, we, we therefore uh, walked, uh, made our way back uh, back to the back to the track there and, and back on the rail and um, the rest was history. But uh, yeah, it was a quite a surreal moment to say the least. It really was. Now look, horse wise, what, what? How do you see his his um, three year old season starting? Look, he, he, he'll definitely go on the uh, on the team sheet there too as a as a Guineas contender. Um, we let the you know, we've obviously with Native Trail and, and Crow was there as well. We let them all winter away. Um, you know, at the end of the day, on home evidence on what we've seen, he would be the, the you know third in the in the pecking order. Um, but who's to know? He's a Dubawi, uh, along with Karo was there. That um, from two to three, we know they, they physically and, and mentally do very well. So um, you know, we we'll see that where they all are in the spring. Probably most likely taking a trial and then decide on on, on where we pitch him from there on. It's quite unbelievable to think that you you're sat there with, you know, with with three horses who who could make it into into live guineas contenders. But but anyway, that's I suppose that's a wonderful position to to be in and shows the strength and depth that that you've got. Listen, rather than go through you know each horse individually, just just as an overall targeting three races, Charlie, and and and, and to win three races out there. I think from looking on, it's it's unprecedented. You know, potentially the most successful overseas raid at a Breeders' Cup. Has it has it sunk in yet? 
Not really, Tom. You know, you know me. I'm, 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 I'm like to say I'm, I'm more of a laid back character, but um, most importantly, it's fantastic for the team and 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 his high shape Mohammed and Golf in there. But um, it was one of those meetings. I, I I was confident that we went in there with with live players. You know, it was our, it was our biggest string of horses that we sent over there. Not that that was going to uh, enforce the chance of us having success, but um, it, I was very confident that they were the right horses for the right races and and their well-being they showed that throughout the week they were professional on the track they looked great uh, and uh, I say um, apart from the two hiccups that we had with the gate horses you, they were faultless but um, so to sit back it probably hasn't really sunk in but you know I'm delighted that we've done it on a world stage and there's no doubt about it we've had, we've had great success thankfully throughout uh, our, our time uh, there at Moulton Palace but um, you know in the, in the past year we've had some some wonderful winners and, and, and you know winning the derby obviously the highlight of the year but um to 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 to, to crown it all off on, on the world stage with great competition as i've said going into the race or into the meeting you know it's, it's the best horses the best jockeys owners trainers and um you know this this year like i say good european horses went over there the japanese came to the fore as well so it's very very competitive racing Right. I, I, one thing I want to ask is, how did you get Yibir, who um, started off in his first ever race, was pretty comfortably beaten by a certain master of the seas? Um, how did you get him to develop into a, a horse that goes out to the Breeders' Cup and win the Breeders' Cup turf? Again, um, Tom, I give a lot of credit to the whole team there. Shane Jefferson's ridden him all of his career there, uh, and he's a challenging horse, um, as we all know, and you've seen him yourself firsthand. Uh, a very big, imposing individual uh, that. Uh, when he gets a mind of his own, you'd have a job to be able to control it. And, and uh, you know, we, we've seen that on a few occasions. Uh, obviously, he was gelded during the summer there. He came out and won the Barring Trophy. Um, and then, um, subsequently, we went to Goodwood, where he decided that, um, you know, he wanted to go a lot faster than everybody else. And, and, and William quite, you know, held his hand up. He said, I've never been run away with for, for many, many years. But he said, I just could not hold him. Um, then we leave, we put the hood on and we keep that hood on there for the um, for the great Voltaire and, and, and sort of James James great ride but you know he, we told him just purposely just wherever you are just make sure he's locked up in behind horses and teach him to do it the right way around and he duly did that and uh, and went on to win the, the great Voltaire. Um the plan was always then to go to uh, to Belmont there for the for the invitational derby and um, he he uh, he went and you know, Jamie Spencer rode him that day, and we know what Jamie is like on those type of horses. He could put them, put anything to sleep, and he did it in, in a manner that at one stage we were a bit concerned that he might have put him to sleep too much. And, but uh, again, he showed his class. Um, Jamie, Jamie gave him a great ride round there, and he won that. Um, and then going into the Breeders' Cup there, he's had a faultless preparation. But uh, only in the last 24 hours, he's, you know, Shane said he's a different animal to... Uh, what he was sat on uh, at Belmont when he was out there and um, in the morning when uh, they were having the vet checks there uh, yesterday morning um, had decided that he wanted to um, nearly bolt with Shane in the, in the quarantine barn and uh, thankfully everyone was there to, to slow the horse down and uh, Shane did his best and, and did very well to hold on to him uh, so uh, we knew we were dealing with an animal that was very much on his day game and very very well and, and alert and uh, I think you can see that in Williams. Um, you know, Williams said there the first half a mile of the race, he was um, he was he was certainly taking him on, to say the least. And um, that's you know, Williams said himself, 
reason he was shaking his head going across the line. He couldn't believe what the horse had achieved in, in, uh, in the manner he did it. Um, last word from you, Charlie, on William, if you can. What, what, what do you make of his performance over the last couple of days? Look, William has been a, a vital part of the team. We've seen what uh, William's achieved over the last two seasons now. Um, you know, he's, he, he's, he's hungry for the, for the championship and it's inevitable that's only going to be around the corner. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for myself and the team, you know, I've always said he's a... On a Saturday, on the weekends, he, he, he raises the bar again and we saw that now over the weekend. Fantastic rides. Um, look, at the end of the day, we know in his same self, he, he, he knows you're sat on nice horses, but at the end of the day, at that, at that level, on those occasions, you've got to have a cool head on you and, and he showed that in uh, on the Friday in the, in the juvenile with all the dramatical stuff going on. Um, he, uh, he kept his head and kept his vision of what he was wanting to do and uh, went and got the result. Uh, gave a great ride to Space Blues, who's you know, obviously, uh, he's, he's got a, a great association with, and, and he's retired. Space Blues on, 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 a, on, a, on a great high, and, uh, and then the confidence just rolled into uh, into the beer where you know, like I say he's uh, he was a horse and jockey there, uh, or the horse was taking a jockey on uh, for the first half mile, and uh, you know, William had the, the confidence to be able to hold him where he was and, and, and know that the horse had the ability to potentially pick them up, and which he did. Uh, did so in style. Charlie Appleby there, straight on a flight out of Del Mar. He was no partying, just on a plane back the following evening for kids' bedtime. Some going, Rishi Passad, is Charlie Appleby currently the best trainer in the world? I'd say so by his results. I'd say he is the best in the world at the moment. And then I'm looking at the future. Obviously, this season has been quite incredible. I remember, Tom, at the start of the season, I'll pat you on the back here because I'm pretty certain that you put up your beer as your three-year-old to follow, am I right? Yeah, you, my my horse to follow. You're you're a very kind man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I did. I, I kept the faith as well. I remember feeling sorry for you after the first couple of your beer runs this season. I thought, oh, he looks a bit slow. He might he might struggle. Poor Tom with his horse to follow. Um, <laughs> but then he's turned that horse around. And bearing in mind that your beer has come to the fore now and is clearly a high class three year old middle distance horse, but he wouldn't be in the top two of Charlie Appleby's three-year-old middle distance horses and they are hurricane lane i mean there's manobo and kamari i mean there's a whole load of them the strength and depth is what i believe now makes charlie appleby uh, pound for pound the best certainly in europe um and I, I think looking at the future the fact that when i spoke to him after modern games sorry after modern games seven companion caribus and native trail had won at newmarket on that weekend uh, and I asked about modern games and where he fitted into the whole plan and the whole uh, spectrum of Charlie Appleby juvenile cults. And it seemed as if modern games was below Caribus and Native Trail. Um, and when you consider how modern games has progressed this season, yet he's 16 to 1 for the Guineas, or roughly that sort of price for the Guineas. And there are two horses that Charlie Appleby has in his stable who are shorter. Um, it shows that the likelihood is that success that he's enjoyed this season will carry on. And it shows that you know he's got an amazing system in place to maintain these very very high standards that he's currently setting. Now the, the Breeders' Cup is the Breeders' Cup World Championship, and when John mm. Gaines set it up all those years ago, I'm sure the vision was horses coming from all corners of the of the earth to compete. And fantastic that we saw not just one but two <laughs> Japanese winners on the night. How was that received, Rishi? With tremendous enthusiasm, everyone 
who loves international racing. All the locals here, all the international visitors were so delighted to see. It's the fact that Japan have been trying to make it on the, on the international stage for a long time. And clearly they have achieved a great amount already, but all the, all the, the boundaries that they hadn't quite crossed, whether it's the arc yet, they're still to do, and that's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. But here at the Breeders' Cup as well, they're ticking off uh, big victories one by one and to have their first Breeders' Cup victory, that was so well received. But then to have a second one, again, uh, fantastic for them. Very enjoyable uh, 24 hours for, for the Japanese Raiders. Well, Nahara Gado was uh, watching on from Tokyo, broadcasting live from the studio over there. And he joins me now. Um, Nahara, thank you very much for, for joining me. Just just tell me what it was what it was like what the reception was like for these two japanese winners the first ever japanese winners at the breeders cup well it's a big, huge news in japan you know the this morning most of the nationwide newspapers reports about it on the front page not only sports newspaper but also quality papers are reporting about this achieve, great achievement by two japanese runners and uh, yoshito Iyahagi, who got the two runners and uh, i joined the live coverage of the British cup uh, on green channel as a presenter but uh, we had the uh, audience of more than three million despite the poster time was a very very early in the morning so racing fans in japan you know very very excited to witness the great achievement at denmark on saturday you mentioned the the trainer with with both winners tell us a, a bit about him <laughs> yeah t- tell us what, what what's 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 he like what's his um position within the japanese training ranks well, Yoshito Yehagi has been leading trainer in Japan for more than 10 years now. You know, Yoshito Yehagi is a son of, you know, the trainer. And, you know, he has been involved in horse racing for long. He is now mid-50s. Uh, he started to run his own stable about 20 years ago. Well, since then, you know, he has been keeping global mind. For example, when he got the trainer's license JRA, JRA asked him, what's your, your ambition? So his answer was, to win the Arc Triumph is my ambition. So he has been keeping, you know, the global mind for many, many years. And yesterday uh, he won Dubai Cup a few years ago with the... Uh, uh, the brother to Love's on the Year. And uh, then Yusuf Yahagi won Cook's Place in Australia. So this is, you know, fourth continent where he won G1 for, for Mr. Yahagi. Now, uh, yeah, the the arc is the is the one that, that remains to be won, and and um, you know, ho- hopefully that's going to happen. But ju- just to come back to these two, these these two performances, Nahira, the the obviously loves only you was perhaps the more expected of the two. Um, how important do you think it was to to have a winner on both surfaces at the Breeders' Cup as well to also get that dirt winner? Yes, Tom. Yes, you know, many of us expected not only run well in Filial Mare, because, you know, she's a winner of the QE2 in Hong Kong, and uh, this year, the stage of the Breeders' Cup is at Del Mar, 
which is very tight track and a fast track. We expect that, you know, European runners may struggle to handle the track, but, uh, you know, this is a very suitable track for Japanese. So we expect that that's only run well and free and metal. On the other hand, wow, Marisha Rennes, it was a kind of a surprise, pleasant surprise, because, you know, the quality of the Japanese runners on dirt is not as good as the tough runners. Of course, you know, earlier this year, Chuba Mizad finished second in Dubai World Cup, but still, you know, uh, we didn't we didn't think the quality of the Japanese that is the competitive in the Breeders' Cup. So it was a kind of a surprise for many, many of us to witness Marge Momende won Breeders' Cup this beating top, top American players and series. <laughs> and the, obviously, Oshi Murphy rode um, Marshall Loren, but I... I... I want to, you know, pay tribute, if you like, to the to the ride that um, Yuga Kawada gave to Loves Only You. I thought he he was brilliant. He he had her in the in the perfect position, and I'm sure just as much as everyone in Japan was was proud of the trainer, they were very proud of the jockey as well. Exactly, you're right, Tom. You know, as far as Yuga Kawada who rode uh, Loves Only You, wow, well, it was a great, fantastic riding performance by Yuga Kawada. You know, he waited, waited, waited to start driving, and finally, at the final pole, Yuga Kawada, you know, started to drive Loves Only You, which, you know, made the acceleration by Loves Only You very, very well. Um, this is, you know, this is a you know, strong point of the Japanese runners who had a very quick late kick. So Yuga Kawada did a great job. And uh, once again, it was a surprise for us. First of all, you know, Oishin Murphy, of course, he's a champion jockey in England. But Oishin has never ridden at the dark course of Denmark. So we we are slightly worried about how he ride in Denmark, that course. But yes, he did a great job as well as uh, Yuga Kawada. Well, he might hit the front too soon, but uh, you know that is a way of riding to win in the tight, small track in America. Yes, Ocean did a great job, and we are very pleased with his riding performance. It's brilliant to to hear what an exciting night it was for Japan and, and how, how well it's been received and how much coverage it's got. So thanks very much for your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Tom. If I can pick out three dirt performers and, and, and you just perhaps pick out your, your best US performance, if you like, take you back to um, Corniche, first of all, on, on the mm-hmm. first night, then Life is Good and, and then Nick's Go. Was there one performance in particular that, that, that made you think, you know, this is... This is a dirt superstar. I would say it's life is good. I thought one of the riding performances, and there were a few of them, one of the riding performances of the meeting came from Mike Smith on Corniche, the way he broke from the outside stall or from wide and cut across, slowed it down just a fraction going into that first bend, stacked them up, and then he eased away, had a nice comfortable lead and saved a little bit for the home straight. I thought it was a genius ride that we've seen time and time again from Mike Smith. But the performers that really struck in terms of the quality and what this a young horse can do is life is good the way he cruised into the lead under Irad Ortiz and you know, obviously he made all the running did what he wanted in front what he wanted to do in front and then 
eased up at the line. You don't often see a performance like that on the dirt at the high, highest level, well, at least not in my experience. Um, and it's exciting because I'd like to see what he's going to do this season, whether Connections might want to travel him. Still open for debate. Um, but he, he's a horse that you leave the Breeders' Cup and you say, I can't wait to see this horse run again. I can't wait to see what he's going to do from three to four. The suggestion is he, I think he'll go to the, the Pegasus World Cup. Um, possibly Nick's go as well. Be fascinating to him defend his crown, see them them take each other on. Um, and, and any idea exactly what some of those runners from the, the classic will do subsequent to this, Rish? Well, I've, uh, thanks to my colleague on ITV, Francesca Kamani, I believe that Nick's go is heading to the Pegasus. I also believe that essential quality is heading off to stud. Um, and it is, it is possible, I think, picking up on what you said, that Life is Good is also going to head to the Pegasus. And if Life is Good and Nick's go <laughs> head to the Pegasus, that will certainly be a race worth watching. That would be, you know, considering the way they both won their races, making all the running, admittedly, of a slightly different trips, but then they meet at that sort of intermediate distance. It's going to be fascinating and it's going to, it's going to engage a bit of hype in the lead up to that. I'm keen to know what the Baffert reception was like, not just mm. to, 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 to his, um, his winner, Corniche, but, but also to, to the man at the track on, on such a, a big occasion. What was the, the general consensus about his presence there, Rish? Um, I think from, from uh, a European point of view, watching how the Americans dealt with him, generally, you know, Bob Baffert was, I think he himself kept himself away it seemed to me uh from the majority of attention even when uh when he won uh his first breeders cup race this week you know he just he stepped away from the presentation a little bit um i think he was keeping as low a profile as possible which is understandable considering the attention that he has garnered not just obviously over the last 12 months but in his uh in his career for for obviously the, the wrong reasons and i think he was very con it seemed to me anyway that he was very conscious of public perception perhaps being negative toward him. As a consequence, he was very reserved. And, you know, normally Bob Baffert is happy to talk to anyone at any time. And even in the odd interview that he did do, he maintained a, a very uh, stoic approach to answering questions. There wasn't the usual uh, effervescence in the way he spoke. And I, I think his own reserved approach was replicated or reciprocated by people around him there wasn't you know a great deal of welcoming uh, for him nor was there any resentment or open resentment for him being there it was literally it seemed to be Baffert's competing Bob Baffert's here to compete it's a professional thing everyone's taken as many precautions as possible for everything to go okay and we'll get through it well, news from a bit closer to home now and an excellent weekend for Rachel Blackmore. She rode her first ever four-timer at Nace on Saturday and followed that up with a win for boss Henry de Bromhead in the feature, the Fortier Chase at Navan on Sunday. In doing so, uh, beat Sam Crow, who was ridden by Jack Kennedy. And in the following race, Jack Kennedy sadly suffered a suspected broken arm after a fall on the sadly fatally injured wide receiver. Uh, as far as riders go and, and bad luck goes, not many more individuals I can think of that have had more bad luck with injury than Jack Kennedy, who is sadly set for a, another spell for some time on the sidelines. As far as the UK action goes, we're building up to the Paddy Power meeting from Cheltenham this weekend. Plenty to look forward to. And Sam Thomas has a couple of notable entries. 
Sam joins me now. Um, could be an exciting weekend for you. Uh, a couple of um, likely runners at, at Cheltenham I know you've got. First of all, Al Dancer is, is with you now. Um, how, how much progress has he? do you hope he's made in the time you've had him? Um, well, look, we're, we're very lucky to have him, Tom. Um, you know, Nigel did very well with him. He won a bet for a hurdle and, um, you know, he, he showed a high level of ability over chances as well. So, um, you know, we're thrilled to have him. And it's taken taken a while, I guess, for, for, for me and the team to, to work him out a little bit. He's, um, you know, as with any new horse, it just takes a while to, to work out, um, you know, what sort of routine they want to be in and everything. But we're thrilled with him. Um, he looks, looks fantastic. Um, his work has been good and... Um, yeah, obviously going into the race, it's Paddy Park, you know, so it's um, highly competitive. So, you know, if we finish in the frame, we'll, we'll be thrilled. He's uh, worn a hood in the past, I know. Are you, are you? Would you reintroduce that? Are you going to change anything that we've, we've sort of associated with our dancer? No, not necessarily at all. No, keep it nice and simple now. Um, if anything, the more we see of him at home, sort of makes me lean towards him being a three-miler, to be honest, and... Um, He's relaxed a lot since we had him, um, so I think we'll leave the hood off anyway and just keep it very simple. Um, Won't surprise me if we sort of step up in trip really after after the weekend. Oh, interesting. I mean, I mean, on the face of it, I, I suppose you'd hope he he looks a fairly treated horse now with a what is it, 149 over fences. Should be fair enough. Should be competitive, shouldn't it? Well, that's it. if you compare him to 12 months ago when he was third off 151, then you know you look at the bare facts, then you have to say yes. So. Um, but like I say, it is a Paddy Power Gold Cup. Anything can happen around Cheltenham. If he gets a clear passage and Sam knows him best, he rides him again. Um, then, yeah, look, it's uh, it's exciting and just thrilled to have a runner on on the, on the big weekend and uh, potentially a horse with a chance as well. Um, stolen Silver is is he going to join our dancer at Cheltenham? He goes on Friday um, in the North One Fifty Two Mile Chase. Um, I ride him every day. He's not not the most straightforward. He, as you saw at Market Race, and he likes to get on with things. And mm. there's not much you can sort of. Yeah, sort of do about that, and that's how, kind of why we felt that we'd, if you dropped him back to two miles, you're going to see see sort of you know a horse which you can go and jump and travel like you can. So instead of sort of trying to hold him up over a little bit further, I just sort of thought we'd give that a go, and it seemed to work very well. Um, he's in good form, uh, step up in grade, obviously, um, but um, yeah, he's an exciting one. Fingers crossed if he's come on for the run again, then he could go there with a with a good shout. But um, he's not the he's not the easiest to ride, and um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think if we can get, get 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 everything going our way and he settles nicely, then he could go there with a really big shout. Were you surprised by um, how, how he did it at market race? Did you half expect that? I know it wasn't the biggest field. No. Well, look, the thing with him, it doesn't matter if there's 20 runners or two runners, he'll still do that. <laughs> yeah, he'll still race with that enthusiasm, so it doesn't really make too much difference. So, no, I wasn't surprised, to be honest. The only worry is with a horse like that is what they're sort of, what they're leaving in the tank. Obviously, they're racing at the high end of, uh, you know, at their speed and all the rest of it. So it's just as a jockey, you're just always cautious to try and, you know, save as much energy as you can. And uh, Charlie gave him a great ride. Obviously, it's not a, not a stiff finish by any stretch of the imagination there at market race. And so um, it's going to be a different kettle of fish on Friday. But at the end of the day, it's just nice to go there again with uh, with, with the chances. Yeah. Um, just an update, if I can, on, on before midnight, who was really good at, at Cheltenham when we last saw him. Is, is He's got an ask, ask it engagement the following week, potentially? Yeah, he'll go to uh, ask it on the 20th. Yeah, I was sort of tempted to stick him in at Cheltenham uh, on, on the Friday, but um, it was never really our plan, so we sort of we, we left that. So yeah, he goes to, to ask it and um, he's come out of the race very well. Um, and again, yeah, we were just so happy to go and see him do do what he did. Really, he obviously enjoys jumping, um, and a step back to two miles has certainly brought out the best of him. So. Um, 
the nice thing is in that division, I guess, the same as any division, you're still generally you're always facing the same sort of horses throughout the season. So just looking at the entries, there's nothing really in there that we haven't sort of seen before. And um, please God, if he has another safe trip round, he, he should run a nice race for us again. Um, it, it, looking at, at you, Sam, something changed last year, didn't it, with the, the success you had, and you seem to have carried that on into into this season. Anything in particular? Uh, I, just, I just think, obviously, we've got some fantastic facilities here, Tom. Um, a great team, you know, a small team of staff, um, and, and also very nice horses. So we've got all the ingredients, really, to, to be doing well. And, um, you know, just I think as you, as, you, as you go on through any sort of stretch of life you know especially training you just never stop learning and I think you know I've just taken a while to sort of get to grips with a few things and um, yeah it's just uh, all coming together now which is great but uh, you know first and foremost we've got a fantastic team and um, some you know fantastic backers and Mr Walters has been you know um, key in, in that he's improved the facility season on season and um, you know we're able to compete at the top level now Cheers Sam good luck at the weekend Thanks Tom thank you very much Rishi are you going to tip a horse for us at the end of this podcast now uh, in the UK are you going to some far out American track? What are you, where, where are you looking for a tip? Well, it is far out from, what, <laughs> from where you are. Far out. No, just far out from the fact that um, I'm hoping that this horse can rediscover his best form. It's Boreham Bill running at Kempton uh, in the handicap hurdle uh, at three o'clock. He, remember, he won the Lanzarote at Kempton uh, of just, over, just under a year ago. And okay, he's only a price. Yeah, well, massive price. He's only four pounds higher than that, and it's obviously it's a small field. And I think, you know, obviously from the Emma Lavelle team that's been in, in good nick, I thought he might be a bit of value. Uh, Rishi, thank you very much indeed. Uh, very good of you to join me after such a huge brunch you've just had out in the wow. um, US. Unnecessary, Tom. Unnecessary. I mean, it's on the, the evidence you have posted on Twitter yourself. It's an absolute, absolute monster. Did you eat the whole Yorkshire pudding? I ate pretty much all of it, yep. Super. <laughs> Never in doubt. I didn't, eat, I didn't eat the melon. No. Why would you? What's it doing there? No. Well, yeah, that, what was it there in the first place? I don't know. Richie, thank you very much indeed. Uh, thanks to everyone at home for listening. Nick will be back tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.